Welcome to Remotely Creative, a RimCab podcast where we talk to artists, designers, and wildcards about how they're surviving in the era of COVID-19 isolation. I'm your host, Rob Flattery, and today we're welcoming Jason Sloan. Jason is an electronic musician, sound artist, composer, and professor at the Maryland Institute College of Art in Baltimore, Maryland. Well, Jason, thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, how's everything up, up there in Baltimore? It's great. It's great. Uh, all things considered, um, you know, the situation the world's in, but, uh, you know, things are good and I'm doing good. So thanks yeah, you, for having me on. Yeah. Have you made it out of the house? Are you going places or are you staying locked down? Um, I'm, I'm trying to be responsible. So um, I, you know, my choice, I really haven't gone anywhere other than to my girlfriend's house and um, that's pr- I'd like to mow the lawn or out for a run. That's pretty much the extent of my travel. Um, been doing groceries uh, with the uh, Instacart and all that kind of stuff. So have you just, have you gotten weird stuff? Like they substituted you for weird stuff on Instacart? I typically they'll text me. I've been I feel very okay. fortunate. It's kind of cool. They'll they'll send me a chat. Do you want this or this? So she- Shelly did an Instacart order uh, right when this started, and she bought like, you know, 20 or 20 things and they didn't text her. And then she ended up with 12 bags of garlic, like garlic rice, 12 (laughs) bags of garlic rice, which was not something she asked for. And then a can of garlic or a jar of garlic. I hope they put some mints in there with it. Yeah. We have that in our house now because she didn't order that. And it was absolutely nothing that she ordered. So, you know, uh, I'm doing pretty good with the with the instant ordering. I really like the contactless delivery, so I'm all pro. I wish that existed anyway. I agree. Uh, I, agree. I, uh, I I do like that. Um, yeah. So when we decided to have you on the show, I've been waiting for a couple weeks to ask you this question. WrestleMania, did you watch it? I did not. I have a big... <gasps> With WWE, um, I'm a big AEW. For for those that don't know, yes, there's no big secret. They're probably like, "What?" If you do know who I am or know me, <laughs> not that you would. Um, I'm a big pro wrestling fan, and I have been for uh, probably, probably going on 40 years at this point. Um, and there's nothing you couldn't really ask me. Although Rob, I may may try, uh, but I like to think that I wouldn't know. I. But anyway, I did not watch WrestleMania. I have a big problem with WWE politically right now, just with everything that's going on. Um, And I mean, that aside, I've just kind of lost interest in their product. Um, I'm a big AEW fan. Uh, I love AEW. I love New Japan, uh, Ring of Honor, um, you know, uh, Evolve, although they're in bed with WWE now. So did you watch any of the highlights of WrestleMania? I did because I was curious. I'm trying to figure out the the Undertaker match. I'm trying to figure that one out. And then I'm also trying to figure out the uh, um, John Cena match, especially the John Cena match because... Oh, right, right, right. That was very... Uh, it was like an existential crisis. <laughs> That was very art. That was very art school. That was something like a student of mine would have done. I was. I did see that and... I have I have my wrestling buddies. We're all like over. We all joke because we're all like overeducated. <laughs> it's like my one friend uh, and we we have this. We always get together. There's like four of us. Uh, my one friend's a, he's a professional writer. He's a published author. My other friend's an attorney. It's like I'm a professor. Uh, and my other you know my other friends in finance. And we're all like big wrestling nerds. So we had this chat going and like 
my friend Chris is like quoting Proust and he's like saying, <laughs> trying to make some analogy with this. And it was like ridiculous. It was absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. I, I challenge anyone to go watch the John Cena WrestleMania match on the internet or wherever and just write in. Tell me what's going on. Let me know because I am still confused. <laughs> um, a friend of mine has the WWE package or whatever network. network. Yeah. So, yeah. I was hoping that you could answer answer for me what that was, but that's okay. That's all right. It was supposed to be my take on it was really it was this sort of existential journey through all the characters that John Cena, or the very, the iterations his character has evolved through over the years, and he was sort of in a tongue in cheek way poking fun at all of those personas. And the uh, internet wrestling community sort of, um, this is really nerdy stuff. Uh, <laughs> the internet wrestling community sort of came to a sort of a conclusion that that was in a lot of ways, uh, possibly his bow out of the business as he's yeah. sort of evolving into a character kind of like Dwayne, the rock Johnson, who those who might just know him as an action star was a professional wrestler years before. And he comes from a very long lineage of professional wrestlers. And then, graduated from there and moved into the acting business and Cena's trying to do the same thing now so yeah so I, I, I assume Cena's going to be on the today show he's going to be the new host of the today show yeah. <laughs> that's what Shelly says Shelly keeps saying that he's, he's going to be there so. all right so how many uh, how many names do you perform under uh, just just two, really. Um, I mean, I've done some other projects over the years. Uh, my, the primary two is my, my own name, which I do more. It's just instrumental uh, electronic music, uh, more atmospheric. Um, dare I say ambient, you know, because but that comes with a whole uh, card of baggage with it. So we won't go there. Uh, but it's just instrumental electronic stuff. And then, um, which I've been doing for the past decade now, uh, I perform under the, which is my primary music project, Lavenir. Uh, which is French for the future. Um, and it's more of a, uh, with singing, vocal and stuff, it's more song-oriented stuff, um, oriented stuff, but it's um, uh, more in the dark wave, uh, uh, cold wave, minimal wave, electronic, kind of goth genre. Cool. So yeah. you just did a Twitch stream in April with your students where you performed. What was that like? Well, it wasn't with my students. Oh, so excuse me. Sorry. There's... So the Twitch stream was for a, uh, a club out in um, uh, Seattle called Mercury. And because of all clubs being closed now, the uh, booker who had booked a lot of the, the dark wave goth shows had reached out to a number of artists and was trying to just like a lot of artists are doing now, um, doing live performances via the internet. Um, and then taking donations. So she had started an evening on Twitch called Strict Tempo that was booked just like you would book a club, except it was all transmitted, you know, virtually. Um, so I played a show for that. I did a 40-minute set, which was a really awesome experience, and uh, played to some other really great artists. But then the um, – so that was – and that's on YouTube now on my channel, um, as well as on um, Vox, Sinestra, Vox Sinestra's Twitch channel um the strict tempo show i played but this thing you're talking about with my students was uh, a mix cloud that we did for my live electronic music class okay so what they did was this was a would have would have potential which would have theoretically been our 10th year doing this um I'm, I'm the director for the sound art program at maryland institute college of art and uh i've done we've done it for the past 10 years an all-night music festival on the plaza of the college so it would start 
at 6 p.m. on a Saturday evening in the spring, usually in late April, and it goes literally nonstop till 6 a.m. Sunday morning. And we have four stages set up, and every performer does 20 minute a 20 minute set. And as soon as the the, the one person ends, we usually kind of get a cue shortly before they're done, and then the next person starts. So there's really it's literally like live performance mixing. Um, so there is a like you know maybe a 30 40 second overlap between the performances, but it's primarily um, composed of uh, students from my ele uh, electronic music class, but then um, I also curate with a student committee uh, performers from the regional area um, will come in. And we've had a lot of big names in the past that have performed. Uh, Matt Mose, who live here in Baltimore, who performed there. Um, uh, a couple guys from Animal Collective played a few years ago. One of them had gone to Micah. Um, so we've had you know some bigger names also. Um, uh, perform in it but so this year because of the the COVID-19 situation for obvious reasons it was canceled so um, instead of doing that but not instead of just postponing it I decided to have the students who were preparing to do their 20-minute live performances uh, to do them virtually and uh, or not do them virtually but to uh, uh, perform them at home while recording that and then send me the recording. So we did a uh, three hour version, and it's just the students, but a three hour uh, uh, virtual vigil this year on Mixcloud. Very cool, yeah. Um, if we can get the links to that, we'll definitely put them up on our website so people can oh, check them great. out. Um, so how do you think the music industry overall is shifting to accommodate this pandemic? Um. I think it's doing the best that it can, to be honest with you. Um, I think people and artists and humans are very resilient and we evolve uh, and adjust based on the situation. Um, so in relationship to the music industry, I think it's doing the best that it can. Um, I love the fact that artists have looked at the tools that are available to them and then tried to make the most of it. It's like, as soon as this hit, and clubs were forced to close down. Um, you know, a lot of colleagues of mine and, and bands I've performed with and other artists immediately made the shift to live streaming, you know, streaming concerts. Um, and I, a lot of them, I don't think had ever done anything like that before. But um, I've seen so many really incredible and inspiring performances. And I think um, it's great for many respects. Um, I was talking to another friend of mine about this the other day. I mean, there's, up, there's ups and downs to it. I miss performing live. I love performing live. I had to cancel, you know, a small tour. I had a show in Belgium in March that I had to cancel um, that was in an old castle, which would have been friggin' incredible. I was so geeked, awesome. you know, and, and it, just, it just got canceled. But, you know, on the flip side of all of these gigs that had to get canceled, um, you know, this virtual way, you're reaching a global audience. And, you know, you have the potential, if you do it right, to be able to reach people that you normally wouldn't have. Um, and that's how I try to look at it. I've been introduced to so many bands, like the three bands that I played with um, on the Strict Tempo Twitch stream uh, a few weeks back um, are all West Coast bands. Um, I wasn't familiar with them, but I am now, and they're freaking incredible. And I wouldn't have been familiar with them uh, otherwise unless I had played out there and got booked on the same show with them. Right. So I think that this, in many respects, there's downsides to it because of the physical or the geographic 
you know, the physical limitations, but um, ge geography is not a, an issue now, you know, so any, anybody has to do is just tune in. I do think you have to throttle it because I, you know, there are some people that are performing like every day and it's just like you can have the, you know, it's like finding the right balance. You don't want to overexpose. Yeah. Do you think that, you know, it's kind of hard to perform without the energy of the audience? Is that a problem or you just kind of yeah. make do? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I mean, it's different. When I did the Twitch stream, I mean, it was from my studio mm -hmm. and um, there's so many things that it's, you know, I, I mean, there's just other considerations. There's other things to take into play. You know, I had like multiple camera angles. So I'm like, not only am I, you know, working like with video switcher and, and trying to perform, <laughs> it's just like, what? you know, um, yeah, I miss other things. I miss just the atmosphere, the, the, the crowd, um, you know, the immediate feedback, um, the high from the show you get just mm -hmm. the adrenaline, you know, it's different when it's your cat <laughs> and, and then when the show's done, it's just silence, you know, it's, so there's trade-offs, you know, there's definitely trade-offs. What's your cat's name again? <laughs> uh, very appropriate for the music. I made. Uh, Zymox. Yeah. I, I've seen it written a hundred times and you've told me before years ago, but I was like, one, I hope he's got the same cat. And then two, I couldn't remember what the name was. So. Yeah, she's eight. She'll be eight this August. Uh, I mean, she's all black for those that haven't seen her. So that's, and she's just, I'm like, okay, she's spooky. So why not name her after the, uh, you know, the, uh, uh, the classic uh, 4AD band, Zymox. Nice. Um, so uh, what's the deal with the minimal, minimal electro having a crazy resurgence right now? What do you think is going on with that? Uh, just like everything. I think that, um, uh, everything goes in cycles and I think it's time for that to come back now. You know, um, it's just, just like, you know, back in the mid two thousands, uh, minimal wave and like, you know, all that stuff was starting to really have a resurgence like in New York, like with the weird, you know, record scene and, uh, a lot of those bands like Staccato Dumal and, uh, you know, Letter S and, um, uh, Zeno and Oaklander, you know, really when all those bands started to kind of bubble, you know, bubble up that style of music, um, it's just, everything goes in cycles, you know, um, a lot of the bands I've been playing with recently before this hit, uh, really reminded me a lot of like late eighties, like really slickly produced, like with, you know, guitars and just at dreamy atmospheres and, you know, um, just like really, really like late eighties, like well-produced stuff, you know? So it was interesting seeing that with a lot of the, you know, in, in starting to emerge in the scene. So like with minimal electronic music and like IDM and I, I, you know, especially in Europe, I see a lot of that kind of popping up again now. I, and I love that stuff. I mean, you know, like you, I, you know, I grew up, you know, in with all the new wave stuff in the eighties, which I love, but then, you know, in the nineties, I got into all the, you know, when, when alternative music became a bad word, uh, you know, you start looking for other stuff. So then you get into like warp records and, and, uh, you know, like rising high and, and smile and instinct ambient, you know, up in New York and just all this really great minimal techno, um, you know, and like bands like Otaker and, uh, you know, like boards of Canada and just, which are kind of like household names now, but that was like really underground at that point, you know, like wagon Christ and just all that stuff like syzygy and, uh, just new London school of electronics, Pete Nam look, I mean, I could go on, you know, right. but. So square pusher, did you hear about this whole square pusher? He released an album. Oh, I did not. So he really, this is a, I, a little while ago, I guess he released an album 
and it came out and then he's touring and then he does the album every night and then when the tour in, he like changes it every, every time and then when the tour ends or ended he re-releases the album I, I think he got cut off because of the uh covid thing but he was going to re-release it because he's like here's the album as it is now but once i perform it 20 times i'll i'll drop it you know like the album piece i'm sitting in a room <laughs> right <laughs> That's who did. Yeah, that's who did. Yeah, yeah. I'm just. <laughs> I'm yeah. a big Square Pusher fan. So you mentioned Warp I, Records. Yeah, I love. I mean, that's the thing. It's just like all that stuff. It's funny because you, you probably remember Amp from MTV. Mm -hmm. So I um, I just got uh, my. I have a freestanding like DVD burner, like, you know, the, the DVD player burner. Just, anyway, I just had to. I just repaired mine. Some caps blew in it. And um, so I actually had a tape. So I was like, converting some old VHS stuff. I have eight hours of amp I found on VHS. So I like burned them, I'm burning them with the discs and just going back. I'm like, wow, I can't even believe this is on MTV. It was so cool. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it was such a great show. Yeah. Um, I think that's where they first showed the prodigy smack my up video. Yes. Yeah. And they, and they showed it one other time and then it got pulled from MTV. And I remember it was probably what, 96, 97, yeah, something like that. I think for maybe two years um, and it wasn't on very long and it was just an hour, but it was like, funny because it was on like it was super late. I think it was like 11 to 12. Yeah. I better say it was like midnight or something like that or not late on Sundays. I remember it was like some hour, like most people aren't watching except unless you're going there to see that. Mm -hmm. So, but yeah, apparently somebody in a tie didn't like it. So. <laughs> well, you know, they don't do m music anymore. Videos. I don't know, but that's okay. I mean, things shift. That's that's part of life, right? Yeah, the branding's weird now. Then it's like music television. It's like well, where's the music? Yeah, maybe it's ironic now, right? I guess I don't know. It's all like scripted reality TV and stuff like that. So I don't really even pay attention to it. But it's funny. I haven't even thought of. I haven't even turned that channel on in years. Yeah, occasionally it'll be on somewhere, or my wife, you know, she'll put on something, and I'm like, what is this? And she's like, oh, it's so-and-so and i'm like never heard of it why does that exist teen mom or teen yeah. mom 2 or teen mom there's like thirty thousand different versions of teen mom but you know if people like it might as well but it's just not for me um speaking of the whole uh, streaming thing you know we did a collaboration you me and uh, my friend our friend barry jones did uh that project we've done a, done a few things but micro was something we did and i want to say it was 2008 and we did that. Um, I was in Tampa, Barry was in Nashville area, and you were in Baltimore. And we collaborated online. Both of Barry and I are video artists, and you, you know, handled the music. And that was, you know, for me, that was one of the coolest projects we ever did. Um, I really enjoyed it. But you know, that's something that's come full circle. Like everybody is streaming online. This was pre Twitch. I think we used. I don't even remember what we used. It was some weird. Oh, I, you know what? I think it Ustream. was Ustream. Oh, was it used? Yeah, it was yeah. Ustream. It was Ustream. It was Ustream. I was thinking there was this so, this broadcasting software I used to use back in the early early 2000s that uh, Rogue Amoeba made. Uh, and I can't, I can't remember what it was. It was like a satellite dish was the icon for it. It's not OBS, is it? No, no. I don't even know if that company's around anymore. Whatever. It's just, but, but yeah, I, it was Ustream, T, T, Ustream TV. Yes. 
Yeah, I was wondering, was that is Ustream TV still exist? I didn't even know. I don't know. I mean, it's funny. I was thinking back to all that stuff. I remember I used to use, I'd just go into video chats back then. It was like all the telematic stuff. It was like there was a software called iVisit. I don't even remember that. This was like early 2000s, like just 2001, 2002. And it was cool because, you know, I mean, everything was like really crappy back. It was like, you know, two frames a second or something like that. But it was just the idea that you could go and it was like uh, kind of like a uh, an old prodigy chat or something where there was different rooms. It was like you could go by geography or interest or whatever. And you just go in there and see who was there, turn your camera on. And I just remember sitting there like meeting. I've met actually a couple people that I still stay in touch with back then through that you know you just sit there in this weird room with all these heads floating around you you know with a really crappy resolution webcam and you just sit there and drink wine and talk with these people and it was kind of cool and it's funny because you know two decades later we're doing it now via zoom Mm-hmm. And, and you know, the, the whole Zoom and Microsoft Teams and Skype and everything that people are using now during this whole COVID situation. I did buy stock in Zoom like the day that all this stuff got announced. It's a little bit, but it's it's doing quite well. So, um, uh, yeah, no, I just remember that project and then like thinking about, you know, how much the live streaming, especially when I see it on TV where, you know, artists, you know, just contemporary, like country artists and stuff like that are, are doing these live streams. And I was like, Oh, I kind of feel like we did something back then that was pretty cool. You know, I, I know we weren't the first people to do it, but it was, you know, it was definitely something that I am like, Oh, did this years ago. That's awesome. So I think the first telematic, I think the first telematic art piece, I think it was 78 or so, no, it might've been 1980. It was the whole in space piece. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Kit Galloway and Sherry Rabinovitz, I think, were their names. But it was the two pieces, the the two streams. Really, was done with a satellite link. But one was in New York, and one was in L.A. in a public mall. And they had the images of the other space on a wall at the end of the mall, and people would go up and wave at the projection. And then the it other people would the spot. Other. Yeah. And I'm like what you know, and it's kind of crazy thinking like how much money that costs and the technology involved to do this public art project like that. And just the vision, you know, the, like the, how visionary it was. Mm-hmm. I, I did a uh, lecture a couple weeks ago on video art. Um, it was supposed to be in person, supposed to be able to, you know, be able to show um, some examples of video art, the history of video art. But obviously I had to do it on Zoom and Zoom's not so great with, um, showing of videos i don't know if you've tried that but it's real choppy and it's it's pretty horrible um but you know i was trying to explain nam june pike and and you know how he got a video camera and then shot something and then showed it across the across town and like that's how video art was born but i showed everything with images and talked about it and um probably the worst video art history lecture ever but you know got got, got through it got done Exactly. So how's everything at MICA with your students? Everything's good. I mean, like you, and I think like students everywhere, um, everybody's adjusting and there's, it's difficult. Um, you know, I have so many students in sort of geographic dislocation or that have had to, um, you know, can't go home. So they had to move to a host family. And it's just, I can't even imagine being in those types of situations, trying to continue your course of, you know, study and complete things. 
Um, you know, but then from the faculty standpoint, it was just so difficult to make these shifts to teaching classes that really were never designed to be taught this way. And really it's difficult to do, you know, I teach all sound. So it's just like, and most of our stuff is, yeah, we have software, but it's a lot of it's hardware based Mm -hmm. and the students don't have a lot of that hardware or a lot of the equipment, the more expensive stuff. So it's like, well, how do you shift to this? Um, you know, and a lot of the stuff too, the software isn't freeware or open source. It's stuff that we have installed and aren't, we have seats of it in our labs. Right. So, you know, I mean, I was very fortunate, like one of the packages that we use, the developer, I reached out to him. Uh, and I mean, I, I'm so great, gracious because he uh, gave all my students, uh, serial numbers, you know, he probably ate about three grand. But, you know, he supplied them with, you know, 18, 18 seats of, uh, you know, this piece of software. And I was just so grateful for that, you know. So people have been extremely supportive and allow, you know, just like with something like that, you know, I would never expect that. But just so we could complete the project. But um, it's been difficult. It's been very difficult, you know. Um, But I welcome a challenge. And, you know, it's just, uh, yeah, you just you got to do what you got to do. So. Yeah, our, our, you know, students, their compositions changing because of, you know, the equipment, like they were planning to use something that that existed in a studio there. And now, obviously, they don't have access to it. So it's dumbed down. It's very, yeah, exactly. And that's what you had to do. And it's just, um, yeah, you know, and there's just so many other things to take into consideration, too, because it's just like it's upsetting for everybody. But I can't even imagine not being at home, having to live in a bedroom in some stranger's house who decided, you know, who was hosting me um, with limited resources, you know, and, and and trying to do these classes, you know, make this shift, you know, to being taught this way. It's yeah, it's tough. It was tough. Very tough. But we got through it. Um, you know, finals were last Friday. So you know, we're kind of on the other side of it. So um, fingers crossed, we can return to somewhat level of some level of normalcy in the fall. But you know, that we'll see. Yeah, do you have do you have uh, summer classes? Do you run summer? I, I mean, uh, I, I, I don't teach summer classes. I just that's really my time. I stopped doing that years ago. That's kind of my time now for <laughs> to really focus on my own creative, you know, uh, uh, output. But um, the school does run summer courses. I don't, but I don't believe they're happening. You know, okay. um, they've just. Yeah, you know, uh, the California system announced that they're not gonna, gonna be on campus in fall. So that kind of worries me about what other schools and places, including RIMCAD, probably Micah. You know, we'll have to see. We'll have to see what happens with the whole virus if people take it seriously and. Yeah. <clears throat> can kind of get away get away from uh spreading it maybe uh yeah yeah i i definitely think that there's i mean there's just a level of responsibility that i think without getting on a political pulpit but i just we all have to i think bear a little bit of responsibility and be you know i again i socially distance because i don't you know it just in the event that i'd be a carrier and don't show signs i certainly don't want to infect somebody else yeah. But likewise, I don't want to be infected. So it's just, it's, that's what you got to do. You know, um, it's just, it's just being responsible. Yeah. Yeah. Shelly works in senior living now. Um, she does all the events for a, a senior living community. And so, you know, she gets to see all of that and how that affects, you know, seniors. Um, so she comes home and yells at me every day and not that I'm doing anything wrong. She's just like, <laughs> 
you're not going back to work. You're not traveling. Um, when all this, this went down, I was actually in LA. Um, and then, you know, it became a thing. And so I flew back and she had to quarantine from me for two weeks, you know, to make sure that I didn't get sick. So she wouldn't transmit it. So that was like the weirdest, hardest two weeks of my life too. It was, it was strange because everything had changed like school, you know, we, we went remote. So I'm at home. Um, she took the cat and I had the dog and, you know, I didn't get to really talk to her much, you know, cause she was just working all the time. And it's just like very strange situation that was obviously in march um you know and now it's may and um, things things are still not normal by any means but there is some normalcy to to everything that's going on it's it's strange because this new way of being is becoming normal Mm -hmm. it's 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 bizarre you know i mean there's things it's like, I'm like, huh, I'm nostalgic for going to records because I'd always go to, you know, I, my friends run record shops, you know, so I, you know, like kind of like a, a we, you know, a, a regular figure there as I always have been, you know, just going to record shops or just going up to my favorite, like, you know, little restaurant bar up the street and visiting buddies. It's like, yeah, I, like, I miss all that stuff. Yeah. You know? but, but this has become now it's like, okay, so I get up and I do this and I do this and, you know, I go for a run, I order my groceries, I come home, I do that, you know, it's just become now the new, it's like, all right, it's just how it is right now. You know? Yeah, I'm so, like, I go downstairs and that's where I work. Yes. <laughs> I, I know. It's like, okay, all right. I, you know, so I, but yeah, but I think that that just speaks to the, you know, resilience of, of like, you know, humans. It's just, you just kind of have to, you know, I mean, some people obviously do better with it than others, but um, it's just, yeah, it's a tough time, man. It's a double edged sword because I get people wanting to go back out and go, you know, if you have to go to work and stuff like that, I mean, I get it. It's just, uh, you know, it's just, yeah, it's just, it's just tough. It's tough. It's rough for everybody. Yeah. Well, you know, hopefully we'll come out on the other side a little better and more compassionate for, for humans. I, I I hope that. (laughs) You can only hope. (laughs) Um, all right. So tons of people are doing this on Facebook. You are currently doing it on Facebook, the top 10 albums and influence (laughs) your life thing. All right. Let, let me cut it down to three for the podcast but what are the the top three most influential albums for you uh rob can see me i'm holding my head right now because it's about to explode um, the hardest question you've ever been asked i assume yeah i mean yeah, i don't typically try to get involved in those memes because i'm someone that ruminates over this stuff i i am high fidelity i mean it's just that 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 film was uh and then, the, and then the the, the show, the, uh, the show on Hulu, which I ended up watching. I didn't like it first, but then I really liked it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was me in high school. I mean, I like my friend Randy ran a record shop, and we were always there, and we were the pretentious jerks that would be like making fun of the squares that came in and like buying this, you know, whatever record that wasn't cool. It was just kind of funny. So I typically, because I so I ruminate over all that stuff. So I, I'm ah. Uh, top three most influential records to me. Well, okay. So I definitely have to say, um, and see, I, I, I explained ad nauseum today in a post that today was, I think day seven or eight for me. A friend of mine was like, Oh, Jason, I, you know, I was like, so I nominated him and I'm like, yeah. So I put a restraint on my, or I put um, sort of barriers on my, so I was like, okay, so 
uh, I had to start in the late, early, early 80s when I really started listening to music. So I was like, okay, so it kind of whittles it down for me a little bit. Mm-hmm. But I, I would say um, probably Rick Ocasek's Beatitude would be number one, definitely, because that was actually the first album that I personally ever bought with my own money. Okay. Uh, it was 83. Uh, I was, you know, and my dad took me into Exile Records in Bot. Well, not anybody cares, but it took me <laughs> into this record store, and it was five ninety nine. And I was a big Cars fan. Uh, my my both of my aunts, uh, who were just a few years older than me, had gotten me really into a lot of the new wave stuff, which was big back then. And so, I loved the Cars. So when Rick Ocasek had his first solo record, I needed that. So um, that would be number one um definitely because it's just it's just this dark electronic record man it's like dark it's like dark version of the cars and i mean lyrically and it's just sonically it's very dark so that definitely and i always like that kind of stuff anyway i always gravitated towards the ballads and this the sad depressing songs on like every record that my parents would play or whatever <laughs> I, so it just i think it's just in, aesthetically it was in me that record so rick Cassick's beatitude um I'll de- this hasn't made it on the list yet because I'm like it's one of those things. But I have to definitely say, "Strange Ways." Here we come by the Smiths. Um, I know Morrissey. I was, waiting, I was waiting for it. I know. I'm like it hasn't made my list yet because Morrissey's not the most politically correct person. <laughs> He's not like you know you don't really mention him today because he gets a lot of the. Gen Z all worked up, um, but, and yeah, and he's done some. He said some things that I just I'm just kind of like, what are you doing? You're a tool. But all that aside, um, I loved that record. I had never heard anything, you know, quite sonically like that at that time. It was just, you know, it was just jangly, but really dark and sort of morose and ironic. And it was just all these things that really just spoke to me. So I would say that. And then, uh, see, this is even really harder. I'm just kind of off the top of my head, but just stuff. Um, Ah, so Rick Ocasek, the car, uh, uh, the, the Smiths, and um, I'll say um, I'll say Depeche Mode's "Some Great Reward," um, and that hasn't made my list on Facebook yet either. Um, but I've got three days left, so but I'll say that. Um, yeah, that just has some of the like. The, there's a lot of singles on that record that ended up making it big, like "Blasphemous Rumors" and "People Are People" and stuff like that. But I love the non-singles on that track. Um, you know, like "Lie to Me," which is freaking great. Uh, you know, there's just some really other non-album track stories of old that are just really great. And um, yeah, that was I think '86, '80, no '85. That was the first Depeche record I heard. And I was like, what is this? This is so dark, you know, and Dave's, Dave's voice was just so, you know, it's like, what is this? Um, and then blasphemous rumors, you know, as, as an angst laden teenager, that's just, that's, that's, that's the, that's the, you. <laughs> that's the song. It's like, Hey man, whoever this guy is, he knows. And you couldn't, and I just remember it was just funny. You can, I didn't know what they looked like or nothing because there was no internet then. Yep. And you know, where I grew up in rural Pennsylvania, I mean, you're lucky if you can get a TV signal or pick up one of the three network television channels <laughs> for half of the years. So I had no idea what these guys look like. So you just, you know, I think it was like a year and a half to two years until I actually saw them in a magazine. So, you know, so you really got to use your imagination. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, that's something that, you know, people are missing now. Everything is instantaneous. You can find yeah. out something, you'll sit home at night and you're in a wiki hole for like 12 hours <laughs> and you've learned everything about, you know, every band that you've ever wanted to know about, but 
back when we were growing up, you would like go to a weird record shop and there would be one guy who knew something because he was, you know, I went to LA and I got this weird magazine. And then you're like looking at a magazine and finding out all this information, like a weird zine or something. Um, you know, zines were where we got a lot of information. Um, I don't yeah. know. It may be in, been like the internet, and most of that stuff was fake. But uh, I feel it was real. <laughs> There's no fact checkers in the zine community. I don't think. <laughs> no, there really weren't, or or in a lot of cases, uh, uh, like like aesthetic aesthetic. Uh, you know, there was like no aesthetic uh, police either, because some of them were pretty bad <laughs> design wise. But that's great. You know, I, I, you know, and there's something to say. It's funny, like when you were talking earlier about just like a lot of the minimal electronic music coming back, you know, you really wonder if um, a lot of that stuff, that culture would come back. I know there's still like zine culture and stuff like that, but um, yeah, I don't know. I just, I, I, I kind of am nostalgic for a lot of that stuff. Mm -hmm. yeah. We have a lot of students that, that make zines and we have a zine club at the, at the college and you know, I, I think that stuff's awesome. And I used to do it when I was in high school. I used to make zines and, um, you know, they, it's something like that DIY aesthetic, doing stuff with your hands, you know. Uh, I, yeah. I think a lot of people have lost that um, in making. Uh, you know, it's just like, oh, I can do it on the computer, click some buttons. And I'm like, uh, step away from the computer. That's a tool. So. Yeah. I, I just I, I get tired of the mouse after a while. I just I can't. It's like one click, you know, one 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 click per function. You know, it's just like ugh. I just like to unplug. I totally get it, and you know, maybe this is a good time to unplug, right? I think so. I think so. I mean, it's it's really, you know, I think one of the the good things that's come out so far of this is people's resilience to connect. You know, I, I, I probably talked to more people than I have, like, you know, uh, remotely than I have, you know, in a long time. You know, people have gotten back in touch with me to see how I'm doing and, and, and vice versa. Um, you know, so I think it just speaks to people's need to connect for sure and to be able to just connect, you know, have that type of human connection. Despite it being a physical distance, we're still doing it remotely. So it's just, you know, it's not a... Uh, you know, it's, it's not, you know, is great, but it's, you know, it's a substitution, but it's better than nothing. I totally agree. I totally agree. So you're running, are you doing anything other activities to keep healthy? Yeah. I mean, I've been a runner for probably about 15, 20 years at this point. Well, maybe like 18 years at this point. Um, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I was a gym rat too. I used to you know, go to the gym at least a couple of days a week and lift and all that. So that's kind of been uh, on the back burner. I mean, obviously I can't, you know, do that. So you got to figure stuff out. So I picked my running back up. Um, I kind of slowed down in terms of mileage a little while. I herniated two discs a couple of years ago and was really on the shelf, had to have like a steroid epidural, just no fun zone. So that kind of put running on the back burner for a while. So I ended up going to the gym a lot more to get my cardio and, you know, just exercise and stuff. But, um, but this is, it's been, it's been good in that respect because it's just, it's like, okay, I can either sit on the couch and be a potato or I can, you know, pick, pick my mileage back up, you know, so, which is what I've done. So, but yeah, other than that, and just trying to work out at the house and, um, yeah, just do a little bit around here. Yeah. That's kind of what I've been doing, you know, yard work and, and running and, um, just trying to maintain that, you know, stay active and keep your brain and, you know, active and your body active. Nice. And still a vegetarian? Oh yeah. 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 Since I was 17. Yeah. I, 
I know you're long, long-standing vegetarian, so. Yeah, very long time. It's just, it's, it just goes with, I mean, it's funny. I didn't even think about it anymore. You know, it's just, it's just, yeah. Like you do like yourself, you know, it's probably just, it's just not even a factor. It's yeah. like, it's just a way of being, it's like breathing or something. <laughs> it's, just, it's just a lot easier now than it was back then to, to find stuff. And you're not nearly, you're not judged at all like you were back then. Go or, to the South. You're still judged. I promise you. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, at least we got them people that want to fight you. I remember like when oh. I was in high school, it's like, you're vegetarian. Let's fight. <laughs> just, well, it's like, you know. <laughs> you're in high school. They want to fight for everything. <laughs> it's, it's the sticks up in PA. So <laughs> yeah, that's, you know, that's where my dad's from. So I totally get it. Totally yeah. get it. So, well, Jason, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the show. I really am glad that you got to be here. Um, we'll link to some of your uh, music and your uh, website and people can check you out. So I really thank you. Awesome. Thank you again, Rob. This was so much fun and I appreciate, uh, you know, you reaching out to have me on. Thank you so much. Yeah, definitely. Thanks everyone for tuning in to this episode. Remember, you can find links and images from today's guest on our website, remcad.edu forward slash remotely creative. And don't forget to submit your questions for us by emailing remotelycreative at remcad.edu. That's R-M-C-A-D Make sure to subscribe to Remotely Creative wherever you listen to podcasts and leave us a five-star review. Special thanks to our team here, Gretchen Marie Schaefer, Chris Daly, Mel Kern, Josh Smith, and Madeline Austin for making today's episode possible. Until next time, take care of yourself and each other.